Welcome back to GivePod, everyone, Greater Vancouver's business podcast. I'm Bridget Anderson, President and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. We're launching a new series today on labor, sponsored by the British Columbia Institute of Technology, Education for a Complex World. BC has over 150,000 existing job vacancies, and a projected 700,000 people are set to retire in the next decade. Businesses in Metro Vancouver tell us attracting, recruiting, and retaining talent is one of their biggest challenges. In February, we released a report called Solving BC's Workforce Challenges that outlines 65 recommendations to address the labor challenges over the short and long term. One fast-growing sector that is grappling with this very issue is the life sciences sector. Today, we're joined by Gordon McCauley, the president and CEO of Admari Bioinnovations, a venture that works with industry, venture capital, research, academic, and public policy to build companies, ecosystems, and talent. Welcome, Gordon. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So let's first start off about you, your background, and tell us more about Admari Bioinnovations. So my background is in the life sciences industry. I've either been the CEO of a handful of biotech companies or a venture capitalist for uh, 20 plus years and have um, some scar tissue to show for it and a (laughs) a little bit of success to show for it as well. And uh, about almost seven years ago now, I became CEO of what became Admari Bioinnovations, which uh, is exists for a really simple reason. And that is that Canada has this extraordinary research enterprise. On any objective measure, we punch well above our weight in terms of the kind of science that we produce. What we've historically done a pretty lousy job of is translating that into a sustainable industry. And I mean, all of us can remember other times when there were big companies. Uh, QLT is the obvious That's the example. one that came to mind for me, and, and, QLT. And there are others, others across the country for sure. Um, and and they, they went away because one of the things that happens fairly regularly in this industry is M&A. It is a classic uh, industry of consolidation. And so about that's five or six years ago, a a bunch of us in the ecosystem, certainly in Vancouver and across the country, really led a charge to say, we need to think about building companies that will become anchor companies. Because at the time, Canada was the only advanced pharma market in the world without a research-based anchor company. And there's no good reason for that. Frankly, we, we, we've looked through every single potential reason, and it comes down to aspiration. And so we how did really... we get to the point that we didn't have a big anchor company? And well, yet I mean, an was, emerging life sciences sector. Listen, we, we, we all live through a uh, we all live through an economic downturn. And frankly, what happened is companies were forced to bootstrap themselves. And this is a this is a, an expensive industry. It's a capital intensive industry. And when you bootstrap, you figure out ways to to uh, to move on quickly. And so companies would get acquired much earlier. And then some people created the strategy of of you know I'm going to build it until uh, I, I demonstrate human efficacy and. And sell it off to somebody else. The problem with that is that it's a strategy with where all the important parts are controlled by externalities you have no influence over. So, so in fact, a bunch of us kind of led led this charge, and we're at the place today that we have 
uh, a handful of anchor companies today in Canada and a growing list of about 12 or 15 potential anchors, depending on how you want to want to count them. But but Abcelera in Vancouver is a terrific example of a company that has a substantive research in, uh, infrastructure, a two and a half billion dollar valuation on on NASDAQ, uh, employs five, six hundred people, something like that, with a leadership team clearly uh, with a clear objective of continuing to build that company in Canada and in fact selling a product um, of course famously their, their their product to help treat uh, symptoms uh, of uh, of covid I mean it does really feel like from uh, an outsider's perspective here granted but it feels like we're at a tipping point uh, in Vancouver for life sciences that we're really you know at this point where we're able to really get some momentum and achieve big things Bridget, we're in the middle of a generational moment without question. This is an opportunity uh, for this ecosystem in Vancouver, and frankly, it's an opportunity for Canada to finally build the kind of life sciences industry that will be commensurate with the research enterprise that we have. It's absolutely a generational moment. And frankly, governments at every level have been really responsible and, and really responsive. Um, you know, British Columbia, it's, it's sort of poorly kept secret, intends to launch a life sciences uh, strategy in the not too distant future. Mm -hmm. um, having been involved in some of those conversations along with many other people in the ecosystem, I'm very encouraged by what the province is thinking about. Uh, the federal government has a, has a very clear strategy and has spent a lot of capital investing in uh, basic infrastructure that will uh, respond to uh, the needs of the industry going forward. So I think it's absolutely a generational moment. I, to me, it's very exciting. It's super exciting. And there are a number of components that need to be in place for this sector to really take off. And one of them is people. You can't have a really thriving sector unless you've got the people who are working in the sector. And given that this uh, series is going to be focused on labor, let's turn our eye to that. I mean, how has the life sciences sector been grappling with the labor shortages and challenges that we've been feeling across well, across Metro Vancouver, but across uh, the whole of Canada, really. I mean, there is there are serious workforce challenges. And so what are you seeing in your sector? So it, it's a huge issue, without question. And, and, and our strategy is is fairly simple. And, our, and, and my colleagues have a great track record. So we build companies, we build ecosystems and we build talent, as you said. And, and my colleagues have a great track record on on each of those uh, fronts on the people uh, front the talent part of our of our business we do through what we call the admari academy which focuses on providing high impact high value training uh, at very specific pain points in the uh, in the uh, in the industry as as you said there is a monster uh, talent uh, deficit in this uh, in this sector i mean something in the order of of uh, of but let me check my number, 65,000 jobs over the course of the next five years. So in, in, in the life sciences sector alone, in the life sciences sector wow. alone, and, and we're in a position to respond to about 25% of that. 
So what we do is focus on very specific areas. First, on the uh, at the executive level, we have something we call the Executive Institute, which focuses on identifying mid-career people with tons of potential. Their CEO has to say that they believe that person is going to be in the C-suite in the not-too-distant future. And it's a 10-month program that meets for three days each, uh, alternating between Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, and Montreal. And we're just uh, nearing the end of the fifth cohort. It's a spectacularly successful program. Uh, something I'll say just en passant is that uh, from the outset, 50% men and 50% women. And That's this great. year, in, in fact, there are more women than men. And while I'm not involved in the selection process, my colleagues tell me it was harder to choose the women this year because of the quality of the of the candidates. So it's a spectacularly successful program we're really proud of. And I should say uh, our colleagues at Pfizer have been very uh, helpful sponsors of that program and, and helped us uh, get it all on the way. We have another program that's focused at the other end. So what we call the Bioinnovation Scientist Program. This is focused at recently graduated masters and PhD students to help them understand how to apply that expertise in a commercial context. Because academic science is very different from commercial science. There's no judgment to that. They just have different objectives. And it's really important for the industry as you're trying to recruit uh, highly qualified people that if, if, if you can bring them into the organization with that uh, appropriate context and mindset, it's a hugely uh, successful mm -hmm. uh, endeavor. So that program now has more than 500 uh, alumni going very, very well. We have as well experiential learning with postdocs and, and, and co-ops. When you put those together, it's just shy of 600 in total, um, more than that, 625, I think, something like that, uh, participants. 95% of them work in the life sciences industry today. It's your career, your vision, and your goal. You should be able to navigate it your way. BCIT Flexible Learning is designed to help you get to the next level. Whether you want to learn a new skill or earn a degree, discover a variety of options during the day, in the evening, or a bit of both. You're learning your way. Learn more about your options at bcit.ca slash flex. BCIT, flexible learning for a complex world. I'm interested that you, uh, that Admari crafted these programs um, really focused on the industry itself, that there wasn't something that was already that existed outside of uh, the sector or, or perhaps something that could have been tailored. I mean, what was the thinking that you really needed to be focused uh, on, on the specific skill set that you were trying to build and, and really focused on, 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 I guess, on identifying those people at both ends of the spectrum, whether they're executives or, or, you know, those ones who are kind of more emerging leaders. Well, Bridget, we we have the pain points in our own business, right? As I say, we we mm -hmm. focus on creating companies, and so we, we and again, my colleagues have a terrific track record in doing that. And so then you think about, okay, we're going to create these companies. Where are we going to house them? Where is the emerging company wet lab space for them to 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 exist in? And we have some of that. And then you say, okay, I'm creating this company. I've got somewhere for them to grow. I need people to drive them. So, so we experienced that pain uh, very directly and got together with colleagues in the industry and said, okay, let's understand specifically where the, where the real need is and design a program for that. And, that, and that's not to say there, there are all sorts of other programs that are, 
are really successful. The universities do a terrific job of, of training folks. These are just very specific needs within the life sciences industry. And I'll, and I'll give you one example that you actually brought to mind in your initial comments. We're the lead national sponsor of a program called CASEL, which is the Canadian Alliance for Skills Training and Life Sciences, yeah. which focuses on biomanufacturing training. So that's that's a little bit different from where we are, but this is actually hands-on people in a biomanufacturing facility, helping them understand um, the, the work that they need to do. And, and they recently announced a partnership with BCIT uh, to launch a, um, a, a castle hands-on training facility uh, in Vancouver, which is very, very exciting. And that seems to be the way of the future for um, for industry is to partner with post-secondaries to really create the kinds of training programs that are required specific to your needs. I mean, that that to me seems like that's one of the answers to the workforce challenges that we're seeing. I, absolutely. I, I think it's just the, the data are so clear of, of, of how effective those programs are. BC IT obviously has a bunch of, of other programs like that. And, and again, in our case, um, you know, the, the kind of program program that we developed, one of the, one of the things that has um, we've learned along the way we needed to bring in expertise, pedagogical expertise that could help us design those programs more effectively. Um, and in fact, around the Executive Institute, we partnered with uh, the Center for Creative Leadership, which is the the uh, number one or number two provider of executive uh, leadership training in the world um, to, to, to help us with that. So totally, I think that kind of partnership is critical. This reinforces uh, what we heard over and over again as we were producing our labor report that we delivered to government in February is that there needs to be a wholesale change in the kind of relationship between industry and post-secondary to make sure that we are training the people for the jobs of today and tomorrow. So really good to hear that. I, I do want to pick up on something else you said, because the other component about a really successful, to ensure there's a successful um, sector, is around wet labs. And we know that Metro Vancouver has one of the tightest markets for industrial land in Canada. And wet labs are one of those kinds of facilities that are in big demand. So maybe give us some perspective about what you're seeing and how you're tackling that big challenge. So it is absolutely a challenge. And it's, and you know, the, the pandemic taught us a lot of things. Mm. And, and one of the things that it taught us that will be a positive at the end of the day is building this kind of infrastructure is critically important. In, in fact, I just finished a session earlier today with this whole discussion about um, how to how to prepare for health security in the future. And, and, and my argument was to, to build us to build health security in the future. You need to have a secure, stable, sustainable health industry. It's really not that complicated, frankly. And so one of the one of the challenges has been the availability of commercially focused wet lab space. Our academic colleagues, again, are totally strapped in, in their space mm -hmm. as well, but the, the needs of a, of a commercial organization are very different. One of the things that we do is uh, provide space for emerging companies. So we have uh, 40,000 square feet at UBC. Uh, our facility in Montreal has 150,000 square feet. It's kind of purpose built that way in a thousand square foot lab units. And the so purpose built is really important on wet labs for those who are listening that are like, well, what, what is a wet lab? I mean, it might be a good place to just uh, talk a little bit about what the specific requirements are because you can't just throw them in an office building that might happen to have a little extra space. 
No, it doesn't work that way. The, the, the HVAC needs and the infrastructure needs within a facility are dramatically different. Mm -hmm. If you think about the kind of uh, laboratory equipment you need, fume hoods you need, all, all of the sorts of uh, right. pure science uh, infrastructure that you need is very, very different. So you can't, it's, you can't even say, hey, here's, a, here's an empty, either an empty office building, even, um, even empty uh, warehouse kind of space is not necessarily going to work for you because the, 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 the physical needs are completely different. If you think about the need for uh, purity and uh, air exchange and all those sorts of things, very yeah, specialized. different approach. So, so we design them in, as I say, thousand square foot units. So, so a young company can come along and say, we've got this interesting idea, we need to test it out. And then they can go from one lab to two labs to three labs and so on. And the challenge is for those kinds of companies, they can't make a long-term commitment to a landlord, right? And so what's really interesting in Vancouver right now is you see some of some of the, the anchor companies, so Abseller being a great example, doing significant redevelopment, really exciting redevelopment in uh, in the flats. I, I actually told Carl Hansen last week and the, the CEO that, that we're going to start calling it the Upseller Flats. It's, it's <laughs> we just the, did the a series in. on the False Creek Flats. It's a, such <laughs> an exciting area and so much potential. So it's, it's really exciting what's, what's happening there. So in a way, the market's responding to the folks that can make a big commitment. But of course, the upsellers of tomorrow can't make that kind of commitment. No, they might right? be there for six months or 12 months. And maybe exactly. some of their tests are working out and maybe they aren't. And so then they need to reconfigure and, and try something new and might be need exactly different kind of right. space the next time. That's right? exactly right. And so, and so that's that's where we, we come along. And, and I think there's absolutely a need here to do to do more of that and and again as i say i think that the the, the uh, provincial government is pretty uh, pretty much seized with this issue and i'm i'm pretty confident that they're going to respond uh in the in the not too distant future and i and i think that has real potential for the ecosystem because the the accelerators of tomorrow are out there right and we and we need to make sure that we find the space for them to grow and the other thing that's really cool Bridget, is it's not just the space we have a team of uh, 65 commercially trained drug developers and the knowledge that they can share. And this, it's funny, I use a, an, ex, an expression for our, for our facilities that you know, our facility in Montreal has big companies and, and, and little companies. And there's something about the situational alchemy that happens when a small company is chatting over coffee with somebody who's a, who's sure. a drug development with a big company, the knowledge, and it goes both ways. It's not just the little company getting all and the, the little company is nimbler and the bigger yep. company has some knowledge that, and you That's put those exactly two together, right. it's magic sauce. <laughs> it's absolutely, it's really, really cool to watch. And so that's one of the things that I think is important. And, and frankly, you know, our colleagues in the in the real estate business, I mean, Oxford and Alexandria and others do really good work in this area, but you need that expertise as well as space exactly. for the young companies, because otherwise you don't really get the output that you want. So, Gordon, um, maybe final question here as we wrap up this conversation. Um, a couple of challenges around space and trying to get the people, but you've got some fantastic solutions uh, that you're working through with the programs and the training uh, mechanisms that you've got. You know, if you look at the potential for Vancouver and for British Columbia's life sciences sector comparative to other regions, either within Canada or or elsewhere, you know, give us a sense of uh, of where we could go. 
So the vision for our organization is Canadian Life Sciences leading the world. And that sounds wonderfully un-Canadian. It's unabashedly, <laughs> it. it's unabashedly proud. And it's not just a, a, a slogan or a bumper sticker, because go back to where we started this conversation, Bridget. We have an extraordinary research enterprise in this country. It is globally recognized. We have all the elements that an ecosystem needs in terms of high-quality universities, high-quality research institutes, substantive output. We've got a, a, an active and engaged biotech industry. We've got a, a large pharma industry that is, I mean, shown tremendous promise and demonstrated their value during the pandemic without question. And if you doubt any element of that, Bridget, just be reminded that virtually every vaccine in the world for COVID is driven by a piece of Canadian technology. I know. That's something that we should technology. be very, very proud of. And, and what's, 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 so, what's so much fun about this industry is you get the privilege of working with people who want to make the world a better place. And I, I usually joke that they've, they've got yeah. the genetic default of the public service gene, right? They, <laughs> they need to make the world better. And can you just imagine the extraordinary and, and well-earned pride of of our of our friends at Acuitas to be able to look at each other and say billions of people in the world have been treated with their technology so inspiring we need more people in the life sciences sector i mean we need people all all throughout every sector and industry that you can um mention but we really need people in the life sciences sector and it's so great to hear about some of the programs that you have to really to develop talent gordon thanks so much for chatting today i really enjoyed it Hey, thanks for the opportunity. My, my privilege. Thank you. Our Labor Series is sponsored by the British Columbia Institute of Technology. Education for a complex world.